Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear us Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. This is a rebroadcast of BK on the Air. If you hear a telephone number, please don't call, as you will become one with the dark side of the Force. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, hello. <laughs> yep, BK is out. I'm in. Not permanently. He's on vacation. I was on vacation last week. He was on vacation this week. I think we do this. I don't know how it seems to work out. The last few times that I've had to cover for him, I took a day off, and then the next time, next week, he took the day off, and then we all got back together. I told him last week, or two weeks ago, I said, I'll see you in three weeks. He goes, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm not here next week. Then you're not here the next week, and so it'll be three weeks, which means the first week in October, we will all be back together here with you live on AM 1450 WBHF. Also online using the TuneIn Radio app, going to TuneIn.com. You can actually download the Radio Garden app. That's really cool. And you can go to our website, wbhfradio.org. I'm going to make sure to get this over to, uh, I don't know if I have to email the show to BK when I get done, so that way he gets on his podcast. I don't know how he works. I'll just make sure he has a copy of it, so that way you all can hear me this week and go, gee, can we get BK back? Can we maybe just go do a best of instead of listening to this guy? Uh, coming up, you know, normally after the first break, we do a, uh, a, a quick uh, look with uh, Pat McCormick and the Golden Rage of TV. And I said to uh, Pat, because Pat's a friend of mine, Pat's a friend of BK's, Pat loves listening and vice versa. He was on our podcast. He's been on this show uh, multiple times live. And if, there's always the segment where we play about a minute and a half. I said, you know what, Pat, you don't get nearly enough talk time here. So he's going to be joining us after the first break. And we're going to have Pat McCormick join. And he can do a live version of the Golden Rage of TV. But it also allows me a chance to chat with him. Uh, there was a great time. Uh, my, my, my podcast partner, Walt Murray, and I did uh, a, an episode with him earlier this year and that was so much fun to just have time with him to chat uh get his background and we did it last year we actually interviewed him last year and we said you know what we had such a good time getting your backstory now we want to move forward and just chat with you more talk about everything that's going on with uh, your youtube channel and everything else that he's doing so we did that and put that episode out in season four of our podcast the wilder ride and had a blast. So I figured, you know, he can join in. We will get you uh, Channel Star Wars next hour. We'll talk about uh, James Bond. We're going to talk about what's going on in weird news. We'll bring you your Flash the News segment of the weird, the strange, the bizarre. But it's got to be real because we read it online. Uh, one thing I wanted to open with and start for me on this is the Disney small screen. And by, 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 the, by the small screen, I mean Disney+. Plus. What's happening on Disney Plus right now? I got all caught up until about a week and a half ago of the What If series, which is an animated series. And my wife actually saw me watching, and she's like, "Are you, are you really? Are you watching cartoons?" 
<laughs> I was like, okay, just because it's animated doesn't mean you need to call it a cartoon. <laughs> I mean, I get it. But the way you said it made me think like, oh, I was watching Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. But no, uh, these tales, which was an entire line of comic books, by the way, the What If series, when you start thinking about the multiverse and all these different ways, just because we watched the timeline play out here in the MCU with Iron Man and the Hulk and Captain America and all the other characters that we've grown to love on the sm- on the big screen, with the introduction of the multiverse, is that what happened in all of the other universes? Or were there changes? Was there just... Did something go differently in a different timeline to create a different universe, a different kind of storyline? And so the What If series really plays to that. What I love about it is if you're familiar with the movies, they do such a good job of giving you just enough familiarity of where the story might be set, including sets, backgrounds, the the timeline. But because just one thing changed... Now you have a completely different story. For example, the very first one, and I know we talked about it a little bit uh, a couple weeks back, but I just think it's such a cool concept. A few weeks back, it was what happened, or what would have happened if Steve Rogers wasn't able to take the super soldier serum and become Captain America? What if Agent Carter had to take it? What if Agent Carter, because the bomb went off sooner than expected, not early, not not when it happened in Captain America, the first uh, Avenger, what happens if the bomb went off beforehand? What happens if Steve Rogers doesn't get the, the, the super serum and we get a female version and it's not Captain America, it's Captain Carter. <laughs> it was so cool because it pretty much followed the story of Captain America, the first Avenger, from the Red Skull looking for the Tesseract to harnessing that power to the uh, to the Hydra subplot to trying to get the, the, the soldiers who were being captured in World War II out and then going after the Red Skull. But instead of a Steve Rogers being the, the Captain America buff, you know, buff Rogers, we had Buff Carter and it was great. Um, definitely adult. There were explosions, people being killed, people being hurt. It was just like the movie. It's just in animated style. The, my favorite one so far has definitely been the Doctor Strange one with, it with, it with Doctor Strange being able to manipulate time and being told, well, there are certain things you just can't mess with in the timeline or you could, and you could actually destroy everything. And he didn't believe it. And by the end of the episode, you know, we're just so schooled today into wanting that Hollywood ending, that deus ex machina, whatever, where even if the gods come down and fix everything, it's a happy ending. Or even if it's really sad, at the last minute, somebody comes in and puts everything right so we feel better and we learned our lesson through somebody else. This episode had Doctor Strange come to the reality or, or recognize what he had done to manipulate time was eroding the very fabric of his universe. 
And when it comes down to that last minute, when I was expecting that that deus ex machina moment, that's uh, Latin for machine of the gods, which was a term back in the old uh, days of plays and playhouses, where at the if you wrote yourself into a corner, well, you could just lower the gods in from the, from the rafters, and Apollo or Zeus or Aphrodite could fix everything with just a... a because they're magic and they're gods and they can just do that and they can just fix the problem without ever actually having to solve the problem. Hence the term Deus Ex Machina. But instead of the Watcher, who could have fixed everything, he said, no, my, I don't do that. You have to live with the consequences of the fact that you have eradicated this timeline and let the universe, that one universe, wink out of existence. Oh my, I mean, that was heavy. That blew me away. I was just, I was like, wow, just nothing happy about it. And yet just so profoundly impactful to me, the watcher, that here I am a week and a half or two weeks after seeing it, telling you about it, saying Disney Plus, got to get it. I know Disney may be one of those juggernauts, but man, they've got some good content. We'll return after these messages. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. And if you look around these days, there seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, we're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper. If you drink Dr. Pepper, you're a pepper too. Be a pepper, drink Dr. Pepper. Be a pepper, drink. If you like pizza made the real Italian way with bubbly cheese, tangy seasonings, pure ingredients, you'll say our pizza is the Mosta. Try some now at the refreshment center. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Sanders filling in for the vacationing BK. And uh, you heard Lost in Space, your typical return music theme. And I faded that down as I brought up the wonderful electric guitar work of one and the only Pat McCormick doing the uh, funeral march of a marionette. Pat, welcome to BK on the Air. Mr. Sanders, my favorite podcast host. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I am doing great. So good to have you here. Love, love that rendition of your guitar work, the multi-layering that you did, every one of those parts to create your own, what I like to, uh, try, I try to explain something, it's more like a trans-Siberian orchestra take on the theme that so many people associate with Alfred Hitchcock. Well, that's right. You know, they inspired me, actually, to do this. I was, I was envisioning uh, performing in front of stadiums with all these classic TV images going on around me and laser lights and explosions and all of that. (laughs) 
you know, I got so far as a night. I got so far as a nightclub with it. Actually, so. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that idea and that theory, and and your get smart theme and some of the themes you put to the your version of uh, rock and guitar because you do you did have for the longest time a rock background. I don't know how many people knew that about you. We always talk about you and your classic television looking back, but you started your your performance career as a rock musician. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I was 17, all of 17 years old uh, when I started basically doing the four-set nightclub scene, and that's how long I've been doing it, folks. I'm 58, so that would be (laughs) about 40-plus years. Um, (laughs) Of course, I started so young that they made me sit in the kitchen on the breaks, so it was... (laughs) It was a uh, it was a great nap. I got that experience. Uh, I took it to a level where I got some recognition, and more importantly, I was able to just get to the level as a musician to create. And I think you know, as much as people just say, oh, "I just want to go out and jam" or just show up, if you're not actually creating something, if you're not painting a picture with that palette of colors that is music. Um, I just don't feel like you're really you're really doing it. It wasn't ever worth it for me to just play cover songs. So I, you know, I got into the original aspect of playing uh, rock guitar pretty early on, and uh, you know, in, in a few ways, it actually really paid off for me. Uh, but as you were saying, I do these uh, renditions of classic TV TV pieces, and <laughs> you know that segment. My segment, as I call it, <laughs> my, my little blurb on BK on the air, which I really appreciate you guys for, I might add, is led into with that John Williams Lost in Space theme. Now, I looked at that <laughs> and I thought maybe I should try to do that one. About oh, 12 bars in, I went, there is no <laughs> way in heck that I could ever do a rendition of that. So I opted for the second version of Lost in Space, which is a much more rocking version. And so that that made the most sense. Still, it's John Williams, so you're getting sophistication no matter what. So, yeah, jabber, jabber, jabber. Now, I do want to uh, take a moment, because people that listen to the show, they listen to the, uh, the then re-engineered podcast version of the show after it gets done for people who missed it. We do a segment here, as you mentioned, that your segment, your golden rage of television or TV so I said, I wanted you to do it kind of live because I, nothing, nothing makes me feel better than to watch your, your blooper videos of how many t- takes it sometimes takes you to say something right the first time. So what would you like to tell our audience about that would be heard on your YouTube channel, The Golden Rage of TV? Well, like you said, Alan, there's a few videos of me doing nothing but mistakes. And uh, I just don't know why people get so entertained by that, but... Is that my expense? Blooper reels are great. <laughs> no, it actually works pretty well. Um, <laughs> they're non-scripted, I'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, I just finished a third season. I'm calling them seasons just to keep that TV theme thing going. And um, I am now in in the process of writing a fourth season. But I've, what I've done recently is I started compiling the episodes together in more of a long form because, you know, they're, they're about the length of what you guys hear on, on the show there. Um, I thought it was a good idea just to make it, you know, quick and 
little snacks of information rather than a full meal, you know. And, um, you know, that works for a lot of people. But what I discovered is it really doesn't work for YouTube. Right. They don't like short stuff. They want stuff in that magical five to ten minute range per video. So I've done hundreds of these, and I realized that I covered a lot of the same shows and subjects. And I thought, what if I just glued them together to create a more of a, well, I call it the compilation series. And I've been putting those up, and they have been rocking. I've been getting really uh, good, a good amount of viewership, but even more importantly, a good amount of playtime. Because, of course, that's what YouTube looks at and says, well, this guy's uh, only getting a minute and a half of playtime. We are going to ignore him for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's the unfortunate thing with the YouTube algorithm. They want you watching for a longer time so that eventually, if you've got a big enough audience, they can start slipping in commercials, which is how they make their money. But then that's also how you can monetize your channel. Yeah, and of course, I've discovered there's more to it than that. I mean, first of all, you need at least a thousand subscribers. Well, I hit that thanks to a good uh, fellow uh, uh, enthusiast, Dave Sundstrom, who has got a great YouTube channel, and he's just he is just on fire. But he he is so supportive, much like you guys. Um, I've, I've met the best friends doing this that I haven't met in person. I was telling my wife. I can't wait to meet Alan and Barry and, <laughs> and Dave in person because it's just going to be a hug fest, and I'll be crying, and there'll be all kinds of you know fireworks going off, and <laughs> that's how I envision it. Well, you know what? It works for me. We'll go with that. Um, I know you you did sur- you did surpass the thousand mark, but then you figured out it's got to be playtime too. It does. As a matter of fact, they require. 4,000 hours per year of playtime for for you to be able to sign up for monetization. So I've reached a couple of the marks. That one I have not because, of course, as I said earlier, my videos are short. And I really don't see doing them any other way. I, I do elongate, and I'm starting to elongate in this fourth season for sure. But it comes to a point where it almost starts sounding like fluff and fluff isn't it's not substance it's and you can see it in certain people when they're doing it they're just trying to fill up that time you know to satisfy the algorithm as you said and so they'll they'll still be you know to the point not not you know on and on and on like kind of like what i'm doing right now (laughs) you know what though and you and i chatted about this when you were on our fourth season when we interviewed you on the podcast I've, I've always thought you could lengthen them to about three to five minutes because it feels like sometimes there's so much there, you're only scratching the surface. And then you said, well, I am going to start putting these compilations. And then I'm enjoying, like I watched your Get Smart compilation just the other day where you went through and you, you stitched five of your previous one and a half to one and a three quarter minute segments together to create almost a six minute. But that was so satisfying. And I think if you're lengthening your individual episodes to maybe three minutes a piece, that'll get even better down the road when you put those compilations together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just uh, I just uh, put out a Twilight Zone compilation. And, you know, it's been great because 
that's that's worked, and I'm not having to actually work. <laughs> I'm I'm working on writing, and that's the hardest, the most uh, labor-intensive aspect to what I do is writing and making them, you know, sound good without repeating words, without mispronouncing names, all that fun stuff that you got to make sure that you don't do. And of course, I learned all that by making those mistakes early on. <laughs> <laughs> And so that's what that's what I'm doing now. I'm writing and putting out these compilations, and it's great because it's like having a new life to these videos that, you know, were a lot of work. Yeah. Well, and but now, now they're, I'm sorry. Now that they're now that they're playing out, you know, in in uh, compilated form, they're getting noticed again. Um, so yes. Very happy with the result. Folks, we're on the line here with Pat McCormick, who is the host and creator of The Golden Rage of TV. You can find that YouTube channel. Lots of cool music, lots of cool background, and even more importantly, really, really good, interesting nuggets of nostalgia from the golden age of television. Pat, thank you so much for taking time with us here to be on BK on the Air. Oh, it's my pleasure, Alan. Anytime, anytime. Love you guys. Everybody out there, go to YouTube. Subscribe. Cost you nothing. Subscribe. Golden Rage of TV. And then, who knows, you might find yourself binging one night when there's nothing else on television to watch. Pat, take care, buddy. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Alan. Have a good weekend. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Another happy landing. Easy bake, easy bake, fast as you can. Mix them up, mix them up, pour them in the pan. Slide them in, slide them in, let them bake now. Slide them in, slide them out, easy bake, wow! Only Kenner's Easy Bake Oven Set makes such delicious cakes, cookies, candy, brownies, pizza, pies, and biscuits. It bakes like magic with two ordinary light bulbs and has a special cooling chamber. Easy Bake by Kenner. Fresh perked ground roast coffee. There's nothing like it. Or is there? Is there another way to get that ground roast look? That wonderful aroma? That delicious fresh perk taste? Ah, taster's choice. Freeze-dried as soon as it's perked to capture real ground roast flavor. Taster's choice, regular and green label decaffeinated. Looks, smells, and tastes like ground roast coffee. Ah. to shows about movies and comic books, heroes and crazy news. I tune into BK on the air from 10 to noon, Saturday. Mm-mm, little funk going on there. Uh, this song title, Couldn't Get It Right, obviously is about me. And right now filling in for BK on the air, I can't get it right. And I'm not BK. You're going to have to come back next week to get the BK. But it is fun to be able to fill in and be here. And I really appreciate being on with you folks. It is so much fun to be here in the studios doing a little run through nostalgic geekiness. And we have reached that time in the program where it's time for us to the audience of the news of the weird, the strange, the bizarre. And, you know, there's there's always some craziness out there, right? we got to get to our very first news. And as part of our news flash, I've got one here that harkens back to the brain depository of young Frankenstein. Maybe the headline says it all. Russian woman steal frozen brains from ex-husband's lab to get back at him. Yes, a story here for you. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. 
or maybe not, but this lady's stunt sure melted a bunch of human remains like the flames of the inferno. As you may have already guessed, this isn't your usual breakup drama unless you've also unless you also include dismembered brains, in which case maybe uh, we don't want to know. A Russian woman is being accused of raiding her ex-husband's workplace in a vengeful rage. But this isn't your regular office. The man works in a laboratory that stores human remains for possible resurrection. Valeria Udalava, age 61, and Danelia Medvedev, age 41, co-founded the cryogenics company Cryorus in 2005. But after what we assume were relationship issues... Udalova was ousted from the firm for what she calls unfair reasons. She founded her own competing business, Open Cryonics, which is sort of pe- which is sort of petty enough already. But Udalova wasn't about to let her revenge stay there. According to Med- Medvedev's accusations, Udalova rounded up some of her new staff and then headed over to the Cryorus laboratory. There, she picked up several Dewar tanks, cryogenic chambers used to store the human bodies and organs, and took them. Russian police halted open cryonics trucks shortly after the raid, wrote in Newsweek. Upon the interception, Udalova claimed that the frozen bodies were her legal property. Is it just us? Or does this whole thing sound like some kind of a plot from a weird science fiction movie? Countered! I agree. All right, I've got the next news. And I don't know if you heard about this, but a 10-foot-wide home in Boston sold for a paltry $1.25 million. Yes, this story coming to you from NPR in the latest example of a wicked hot housing market. A 10-foot-wide home in Boston has sold for $1.25 million, million dollars. Located in the city's historic North End neighborhood, the two-bedroom, one-bath home was built in 1890, according to city tax records, though some accounts say it can go back as far as 1862. The real estate agency calls it the Skinny House, measuring 1,165 square feet total, uh, floor through residence with three exposures offering a unique floor plan, manicured gardens, and a private roof deck with unobstructed harbor view as well as city view. The house is a frequent tourist spot seen along the Freedom Trail in Boston. Quote, on um, our first day for marketing the property, there was about 50 to 75 people just photographing the home, just part of their walking tour, said Travis Sachs, the real estate agent who sold the house. Pretty amazing part of Boston just to see it and say, wow, look at that house. I can't believe somebody lives there. Mary McGee, who lives across the street and has been in the North End for over 40 years, told Morning Edition that locals know the house as the Narrow House or more commonly known as the Spite House. The legend is that two brothers inherited the land sometime around the Civil War. One of them went away to fight and came home to find that the other brother had built a house bigger than his share of the land. So the returning soldier built a skinny house in the only space left. 
that uh, that other brother, to spite him, built the house there to block off entry to the bigger home, McGee said. Sack said that she has had a handful of offers. They sold to a local family of four. Uh, um, uh, so for family of four who offered more than 1.2 million list price. The kids are going to have the bunk beds, and the mother and father are going to be in the master suite next to the private roof deck. The kids are going to have the whole backyard, he tells Morning Edition, and they're also going to have four really skinny levels of house to live in. So it's four stories, but only 10 feet wide. And it's pretty cool. If you go take a look at a picture, just do a search for Boston Skinny House Sells for $1.25 million. And you will find it. All right, time for another news. And, you know, I've got all this news all over the place. This one I need to go to because, well, it has a lot of people who might be afraid of snakes. We'll get to them. Maryland authorities capture a python near a playground. Authorities in Greenbelt, Maryland, wrangled a four-foot-long ball python located near a children's play area. Public Works Department employee Brian Townsend saw the snake on a sidewalk between Buddy Attic Park and the Public Works headquarters and called for help. WUSA-TV reported Townsend helped police and animal control officers capture the reptile using trash-picking tongs from the Public Works office. The snake was turned over to an exotic pet rescue organization. The city of Greenbelt posted photos of the encounter on Twitter, relating it to an earlier incident in Upper Marlboro where where several zebras escaped a local farm. Quote, Town U Marlboro, we see your loose zebras and raise you a python, the tweet said. But seriously, thank you to Animal Control, Public Works, and the Greenbelt Police Department, all pictured for keeping Greenbelt safe. And you can go to the Twitter account there, which is City of Greenbelt, at City of Greenbelt, and you can see it as they grab this python and make sure it gets to a very, very safe location. Because you wouldn't want to have that just running around. Now, technically, it wouldn't hurt the children, but... People get freaked out enough as it is with things like just regular-sized spiders. Can you imagine a four-foot snake, a four-foot ball python crawling around by the uh, merry-go-round? I've got another news coming your way next. This one I found to be a little interesting. Kansas Boys Award-winning Bug Collection launches a federal investigation. You know that there's somebody there with way too much time on their hands if they look at a kid's bug collection and think, yes, this is worthy of the FBI. The Kansas State Fair took place between September 10th and the 19th of this year, having just closed. One little boy in particular was thoroughly enjoying himself. After all, his bug collection had just won a blue ribbon, the second highest place in a 4-H entomology competition. But what he couldn't have guessed was that it would also spark a federal investigation. The boy's collection included a spotted lanternfly. It's an invasive species that's been plaguing the U.S. East Coast since 2014. The lanternflies are extremely destructive pests that can quickly wipe out crops. But agricultural officials thought they hadn't spread into Ohio 800... 
thought they hadn't even spread to Ohio, which is 850 miles away from Kansas. Until now, that is. We had one entomology issue. Greg Hadley, director for Extension at K-State Research and Extension at Kansas State Fair Board member, told the Hutchinson News, the spotted lanternfly was a dead one, but it was in a critter box. They think it came on a camper, said Hadley. So they were interested to find out, has this invasive species actually made its way all the way to Kansas on its own? So there you go, a kid who collected his own bugs uh, samples, his own entomology samples to put into the fair for 4-H, spurs a federal investigation to see just how badly the lantern, sp- the spotted lanternfly has gotten away. We got a break! Kids never give up. Kids are kids. Kids are kids, it's true. Kids will do things only kids will do. And moms are moms, they know what's fun for kids. Maybe mom will make us some Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid unsweetened in my sugar gives them fruity flavors and vitamin C. Besides, soda's about three times the price. That hits the spot. Moms know Kool-Aid is the one for kids. Kool-Aid brand soft drink mix. It's so nice, nice to feel. So good about a meal, so good about Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's so nice, nice to feel, so good about a meal, so good about Kentucky Fried Chicken. Eleven herbs and spices make your finger licking good. Serve Kentucky Fried Chicken, cause it's nice to feel so good. It's nice to feel so good about a meal. Welcome back, everybody, to BK on the Air. Alan Sanders filling in for the vacationing BK. We'll be back up to full strength and back to normal next week for the first weekend of October. And that'll be perfect because that'll be a sure trigger that we are getting ever closer to our Halloween spooktacular. Yes, set your calendars, mark it now, put it down as a reminder. October 31st from 9 p.m., until midnight. We will bring you our annual traditional spooktacular. We'll have some funny stories, some scary stories. We'll talk all things Halloween and spooks and ghouls and ghosts and witches and goblins and demons and things that go bump in the night. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so we'll all be back to normal. I'm filling in today. I'm actually, I'm totally solo. Walt is up uh, in uh, the Tennessee Valley area. Said he had some plans. I said, tell her I said hi. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> BK, uh, he has plans. Tell her I said hi, and I'm not kidding. And, and so I'm just sitting here in the studios having a grand old time with you. Well, it was supposed to come out, I guess, almost 18 months ago now, but it's finally going to hit theaters. The final installment trailer was just released. Bond, any thug can kill. I have to know I can trust you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. 
advancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Is this really what you want? Always alone? to be able to get into a room with the enemy. And now they're just floating in the ether. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. Oh, my God. Target enough people. And the people become the weapon. Who is he? James, you don't know what this is. James Bond, licensed to kill, in love with Madeline Swan. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. And life is all about leaving something behind, isn't it? Come on, Bond, where the hell are you? do this, there will be nothing left to save. I have to finish this. You have a flow like this? No. No time to die. Dude, good. Do you have time to duck? Uh, James Bond. It is going to be a final swan song farewell for Daniel Craig playing the title role. I can uh, tell you something interesting that I didn't know until I was doing a little research for getting ready for today. And that is Daniel Craig, when he first found out that he got the role... This is from The Independent, by the way, theindependent.co.uk, that uh, according to the story, and uh, we get to the top of it here, Daniel Craig has revealed he celebrated landing the role of James Bond by getting drunk on vodka martinis. The actor made his debut as 007 in the critically acclaimed 2006 film Casino Royale. He is now preparing to bow out of the iconic character in his fifth and final Bond film, No Time to Die. During an interview on the No Time to Die, the official James Bond podcast, Craig recalled the moment he found out he would be playing one of the most sought-after roles in Hollywood. Quote, We were in Baltimore, and I shot off to go and do a screen test, which, of course, I couldn't tell anyone about. And I came back, and I carried on filming in Baltimore, and then I got a phone call from Barbara Broccoli, the franchise's producer, saying, The gig is yours. Craig said his reaction was one of disbelief, and that he still struggled to believe the part was was his, even after Broccoli called him. The actor was sworn to secrecy until the casting was made official, and therefore had to celebrate alone. Quote, 
I was in the supermarket buying groceries, and the phone went, and Barbara said, Over to you, kiddo, he revealed. I got drunk, and that's what I did. I bought a, vo- a bottle of vodka and a bottle of vermouth, a cocktail shaker, and made myself three or four vodka martinis, he said. Except I could only do it on my own because I couldn't celebrate with anybody because I had to keep it secret. There was a sort of melancholy to it. Broccoli said Craig was reluctant to accept the role because he feared the transformative effect it could have on his life. Quote, it took some persuading, but eventually he sat with Michael G. Wilson, the franchi- another one of the franchise's producers, and I, and he said, if I'm going to take this on, I want to be an integral part of the process. I want to be involved in the scripts. I want to be involved in every element of filmmaking, she revealed. All episodes of the No Time to Die, the official James Bond podcast, are available now on Apple, Spotify, and your other pod catchers of choice. Hey, you can also get BK on the air from Spotify. So there you go. You can get the the, the BK on the air, uh, the Escape Pod podcast, and get your James Bond No Time to Die podcast at the same time. While we're talking James Bond, now we already did this story several months ago. The Broccoli said... James Bond is a is a man. James Bond is going to stay a male. There is no doubt about it. <clears throat> well, Daniel Craig recently weighed in on that a couple days ago. Daniel Craig says James Bond should stay a male character, saying, quote, there should simply be better parts for women, end quote. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond, but for a woman? Enter... The Black Widow and other movie characters where we see people doing that very thing. Having played the role of James Bond since 2006, it's no surprise that actor Daniel Craig has a number of opinions about the franchise and who should be his successor as the greatest spy of all time. With speculation about who will take over the role, rife with rumors that the next Bond could be a woman, Craig recently opened up to say that he believes the secret agent should remain a male character, but not for the reasons you might think. Let's find out. For his final Bond movie, No Time to Die, only weeks away from finally being released, Craig spoke to Radio Times about the franchise, the future of the character after his departure, and who the role of Bond should go to next. When prompted about the possibility of a woman getting behind the wheel of the ever-famous Aston Martin, Craig sided with franchise producer Barbara Broccoli, saying that there should be more parts for women instead of forcing them into pre-established franchises. The answer to that is very simple, he said. There should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond, but specifically written for a woman? Broccoli had previously commented, excuse me, Broccoli had previously committed to keeping the role of Bond male, stating that stories should be made to fit new female characters, not the other way around. And perhaps there is a kernel of truth to hers and Craig's stance on the matter. We've seen plenty of success with women leading their own franchises who haven't needed to fit into a masculine box to see commercial and cult success. Look at Charlize Theron in Atomic Blonde, which, by the way, was fantastic. Maggie Q in The Protégé and even Melissa McCarthy in Spy, which, by the way, of all the poor movie choices Melissa McCarthy has made as a brilliantly funny comedic actress spy is a great movie to watch if you have not seen spy it is really good it's adult it's definitely r-rated but spy is fantastic the list goes on 
And it goes on and on, all as interesting as and dynamic as James Bond, and who don't have to have their own equivalents of throwaway Bond girls, something the Ian Fleming franchise has yet to fully make up for. But not every Bond personality agrees with Greg, me, with Craig and Broccoli. Lashana Lynch, who incidentally is playing a brand new 007 in No Time to Die, told The Guardian that Bond could be a man or a woman, and that at the end of the day, even if a two-year-old was playing Bond, everyone would flock to the cinema to see this two-year-old is going to do. I would disagree with that. Anyway, uh, Bond, I totally agree. Write a strong character, create your own franchise. James Bond is an iconic character that has lived in the uh, lexicon since the 60s in cinematic history and before that in book form. They are stories about a particular individual in a particular role doing a particular thing. You can tell your own version, putting your own cast, your own character, your own spin, and I certainly encourage that. And yes, being a father of four girls married to a beautiful woman, I want to see more and more challenging parts and roles and that have depth and character for ladies as well as men. There's no doubt about that. And I think you should earn the role that you go out after. I am sick of Hollywood right now saying, if uh, we want a blind person, well, you've got to be blind to play it. And if we want a deaf person, you've got to be hard of hearing to play it. I've always thought being an actor was about playing make-believe, and you do it so well that you actually do make people believe that you are the character you're playing. I'm sick and tired of the wokeness. I'm sick and tired of the political correctness. Let's just get back to having fun and realizing that actors are there to perform, and actors play make-believe and dress-up, and we pay them lots and lots of money to do it well. I can't believe Hour 1 is already done and in the books. We've got a Fox News update coming your way here, top of the hour. We'll, we'll dive into that. And then we've got a full hour left to go here on BK on the Air. Alan Sanders filling in for the vacationing BK. We've got Channel Star Wars coming your way and more nostalgic talk and some fun conversation. And we'll even take your calls. Only one man could destroy a Caribbean island. Only one man would drive a car with an ejection seat. Only one man can turn off an atomic bomb, blow up a volcano, hold a helicopter in a suitcase, a rocket on his back, artillery in one hand, and a beautiful woman in the other. Only one man. Who are you? My name is Bond. James Bond. He's back. Sean Connery as James Bond, 007, in Ian Fleming's Diamonds Are Forever. He's back in the diamond fields of South Africa, in the casinos of Las Vegas, on an offshore drilling rig, and 180 miles in space. Sean Connery as James Bond is back, and he's bigger than ever in the newest, greatest Bond adventure of them all. Diamonds are forever. Diamonds are forever. From United Artists, rated GP, they contain material not suitable for free teenagers. Diamonds are forever, 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 forever. Give it up! Podcast Magazine presents The Hot 50 Countdown. Hi, it's Rob Actis, host of the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 Countdown. Join me as I count them down from 50 to number one, the top 50 podcasts in the land as determined by you, the podcast fans. From true crime, society and culture, self-help, health and fitness, science, and every podcast category in between, the Hot 50 Countdown is here. 
And don't forget to vote for BK on the Air as one of your favorite podcasts at podcastmagazine.com. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, hello. Welcome to BK on the Air. I am not BK. He is listening and enjoying as he rides his way to the Gulf Coast to spend some quality time in some beach weather. And uh, you're thinking, well, it's a little cool. No, not along the coast. <laughs> I just came back from Cumberland Island on the opposite side, and yeah, it was warm. <laughs> it was also wet. It was sticky, but it was fun. I'm filling in for BK today. I'm Alan Sanders. Such a pleasure to be here. And you normally hear me as uh, the sidekick, the Robin to his Batman, as we make our way through some uh, fantastic fun, some nostalgic geekiness. We look back at things from the from the past, from the present, and we look at some of the movies we're looking forward to in the future. We try to keep it light and moving. Every now and then there's a rant or two, but usually to do with something that's really just digging a, digging a, 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 into our uh, side or you know just something that's just really irking us. But for the most part, we just have a lot of fun. And uh, that is a big part of what we like to do here on uh, BK on the Air. The phone number is 770-386-1450 if you would like to be part of the program. What I'm going to do in just a few minutes is we've got the gold, not sorry, we already had the gold race to be the second hour. We're going to have the Channel Star Wars report. But before I do that, just this past week, the new Matt Reeves superhero movie, and uh, I believe this is the correct trailer. You know, there's so many fake trailers, and I'm just wanting to make sure that I've got the right one. Let's see. Let's see if this is it. I want to play this first for you. From your secret friend. Let's play a game, just me and you. Any of this mean anything to you? If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? How many more bones? The hell are you supposed to be? How many lives will you destroy in pursuit of what you call justice? You are the product of everything you fear. And that's the trailer to The Batman that'll be coming out at some point with Robert Pattinson taking on the role of the caped crusader. And why am I playing that now? Why am I trying to sound like the Joker? I don't know. I've got this story. The Batman, Andy Serkis, calls Matt Reeves' movie special. The Batman star, Andy Serkis, says that Matt Reeves' movie is going to be special The Planet of the Apes, uh, among other things, actor, spoke to Screen Rant about a number of topics. During that conversation, he tried to say as much as he could about his stint as Alfred in the upcoming film. Obviously, Circus can't say a ton about what's coming up, but he has absolute faith in Reeves and likes what he's been a part of. 
The star also notes their time together during the Apes franchise. Warner Brothers felt like their director was up to the challenge. The filmmaker also tabbed Robert Pattinson to put on the cape and cowl, which triggered a lot of hand-wringing among the fan base. A lot of that worry was put to bay once they saw Bruce Wayne in action during last year's DC Fandome. Still, this year's version of the event will bring even more footage, and then the hype will be once again upon us. Quote, I've been totally forbidden to speak about the Batman, of course, Circus began. But what I will say is that I'm pretty certain Matt Reeves, who is a very dear friend of mine, and of course we've worked together on the Planet of the Apes movies, I know for a fact he's making a pretty amazing picture. I really think it's going to be special, end quote. A previous interview with LAD, with LAD Bible saw that saw the Alfred actor speak about the bond between Bruce Wayne and his butler in the upcoming film, saying, quote, I would say that's not far from the truth. It's very much about the emotional connection between Alfred and Bruce. That's really at the center of it, and it is a really exquisite script that Matt has written. Circus was quick to add some kind words about Michael Caine's rendition of the character in previous films. He, Caine, was fantastic, Circus said. His Alfred was legendary. I couldn't even begin to go there, really. You find it for yourself. It's like playing these iconic roles in Shakespeare. You go back, you revisit them, and you have to make it your own. And see what it is about that character that connects with you and your personal Venn diagram. So there you go, getting ready for The Batman, another iteration. I loved the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Uh, the third and final film wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. I, I tend to think of them in the order of, in terms of which is the best. It's sort of the exact same order of the original Star Wars trilogy. Number two is the best, followed by number one, and then number three. Same thing with Batman. So if you want... Uh, the best Batman movie from Christopher Nolan. It was easily uh, The Dark Knight. Then it was Batman Begins and then The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, that was the weakest. I know it has Bane and I know there's a lot going on and they try to do a lot with it. But just sometimes when you cram a little too much in, you tend to sacrifice the fact that you're losing the story. It's getting diluted. It's getting muddy. It's getting hard to follow. And if you've got an audience that loves the material going, hey, this is getting a little hard to follow, you got a problem. So not that it's a bad movie at all. In fact, it's a very, very good movie. Just when you have Batman Begins and The Dark Knight to measure against it, Dark Knight Rises, not quite there. I will tell you this. Everything Christopher Nolan has done is 10 times better than anything DC has done since with the whole Batman versus Superman and then the the the, the super friends <laughs> the every everything that that's gone on with the Batman character I have not really enjoyed I haven't even been able to sit through most of the DC films are just to me they have been so poorly executed all about flash no substance and that's a problem for me 770-386-1450 is the phone number if you want to be part of the program if you want to weigh in what do you think about the batman coming up with robert pattinson i will tell you this i had zero doubt that the acting ability of robert pattinson would be able to carry through specifically as bruce wayne i know there was issues early in the filming with him trying to bulk up enough to feel like he was filling out that suit but from uh, what I've seen in the trailers and what I've seen in some production stills, maybe they're doing a lot of padding. Maybe they're doing a little bit of uh, the CGI enhancement. I don't know. But honestly, he looks the part when he's wearing the uh, the suit. 
And he is a very, very good actor. By the way, you want to see him in another movie? Talk about Christopher Nolan that I think, once again, uh, gives an understated and underrated performance and is just great. The movie Tenet, one of the only blockbusters that came out all last year because of the pandemic. Christopher Nolan still put it in theaters. A lot of people didn't get a chance to see it. It's out. It's on Blu-ray. You can probably stream it. The best time travel movie I've ever seen. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. What? Yeah, too much. Never. 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 Never enough. Merlin's a game that you can play. You can play it six different ways. Some like to play at tic-tac-toe. Others can test their skill some play a tune on Music Machine or try to play Blackjack 13. Merlin is six electronic games in one. It's really fun for most everyone in the family. Six pen light batteries not included. With lights and sound. Six games in one. Merlin's a game that's lots of fun. Merlin, six electronic games in one. From Parker Brothers. Welcome back, everybody, to... Well, that started sooner than I wanted. Oh, it's only in my headphones. You didn't hear it. Welcome back to BK on the Air. I am Alan Sanders in the studios covering for BK. And it is time to dive into the world of Star Wars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Star Wars Extra, bringing you the latest from across the Star Wars galaxy. I'm your host, Mike Mann. Hello there. This week, Disney announced that they will be premiering a Star Wars special look on Disney Plus Day, November 12th. And since 2021 is undeniably the year of the FET, who better to highlight than the elusive bounty hunter himself, Boba Fett? The special is described as celebrating the origins and legacy of Star Wars, legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett. Also worth noting, since the Boba Fett special will debut in early November, the featurette is presented to further prime the Star Wars fan base for the long-awaited and highly anticipated The Book of Boba Fett shortly thereafter. And we truly appreciate it, and we cannot wait. The Disney Plus Day Boba Fett special debuts on November 12th, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. I got a really good feeling about this. Next up this week, we saw the release of the newest anthology series, Star Wars Visions, being the first of its kind in many, many ways. Visions was created by some of the biggest names in the Japanese anime industry, bringing breathtaking artwork and purely amazing storytelling. Until now, all Star Wars content fit uniquely within the Star Wars timeline in some capacity. Visions defies this practice as it doesn't even attempt to play off a major character story. They go it alone as more of a Star Wars infused project, while at the same time tying in a few big names from across the galaxy. This new approach will most likely open the door to future loosely connected or influenced Star Wars related materials. Consisting of nine separate episodes telling nine separate stories, Star Wars Visions was released as an anthology series, meaning this is the project in its entirety and future works are not planned or even planned to be planned. This is it. 
A few other noteworthy differences from past Star Wars content under the Disney umbrella are that Visions was released in its entirety. So the complete series was released at once, opposed to weekly installments. Additionally, the series was released midweek, marking it as the first Star Wars title to make its way to the masses per the new Disney release schedule. Star Wars Visions is currently streaming on Disney Plus and is undoubtedly worth devoting the time and attention to. I like it. In toy news this week, Hasbro Pulse announced that they will be adding the obscure to two of their most celebrated action figure lines with characters from the 1985 Star Wars droids. The Adventures of R2-D2 NC-3PO animated series as part of the Lucasfilm 50th Anniversary Collection. Joining the ranks of the Vintage 3.75 series are R2-D2, C-3PO, and Boba Fett. Both of the droids feature the bright color schemes used in both the series and the action figure line. The new Boba Fett variant is modeled after the animated character, as the action figure released for the series was a repackaging of the original Kenner Boba Fett. All three characters come with two accessories each. And making his debut in the Black Series line is the same Boba Fett variant modeled after the character from the series, only in a six inch version. Simply brilliant. All four action figures are Target exclusives, arrive on a recreation card stock of the original droids action figure line from Kenner, and are currently available for pre-order at Target.com. Shut up and take my money! That's all the time we have. Don't forget to check out Star Wars Extras Podcast, streaming wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, tune back in next week for all the latest and greatest in Star Wars and for Star Wars Extra. I'm Mike Mann, and now, back to my Boba Fett, BK on the air. theme there everyone knows it it's iconic talked a little bit about that in the end of the first hour about uh, no time to die some thoughts on daniel craig but one of the things i didn't get a chance to get to and i want to do it now uh captured on cell phone video at the rap uh for daniel craig's anyway his rap uh, i don't know if everybody else was done daniel craig did get captured saying the following uh dressed in his tuxedo and the crew all around him uh, and a lot of people here worked on five pictures with me and I know there's a lot of things said about what I think about these films and all of those whatever but I've loved every single second of these movies and especially this one because I've got up every morning and I've had the chance to work um, with you guys and that has been one of the greatest honors of my life so and gets emotional there and starts crying Great to hear, because remember, there was a worry that he didn't even want to come back after the fourth film. He's like, but a whole lot of money and some creative input and everything that went into it uh, was ready for the movie to come out in 2020. And uh, April of 2020, I believe, is when it was initially set to come out. (laughs) And a wild worldwide pandemic even put the kibosh on James Bond. Sad to see, but great to uh, have that. Just that little bit, just that tiny little bit of Daniel Craig realizing what an amazing privilege it's been to play that iconic character. Uh, I will tell you, of all the Daniel Craig Bond movies, and I do like Daniel Craig a lot as Bond, uh, Skyfall is still my favorite. Um, I think Casino Royale is probably my second favorite. 
Uh, Quantum of Solace has moved up. Um, I'm probably going to have to go back and uh, watch the most recent iteration prior to No Time to Die. But uh, uh, Spectre left me feeling bleh when I saw it the first time. And maybe that's why I didn't go back and rewatch it. I felt the same way I felt about the last couple of uh, Pierce Brosnan Bonds. There's only one really good Pierce Brosnan Bond story. And maybe one other decent story. And after that, it's just one, um, well, just uh, poop fest after the other. So I did not really care for Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I like him as an actor. I like him as a guy. Um, but just after GoldenEye, I never really liked a whole lot about it. <clears throat> Obviously, Roger Moore we've talked about before. That was my Bond. Roger Moore was the Bond I grew up with. We came to love the Sean Connery version of James Bond, knowing you couldn't have had Roger Moore without Sean Connery, and love the fact that Roger Moore put his take on it. Uh, George Lazenby, don't even want to talk about. Timothy Dalton got a bad rap. I think he just came in at, the, at a weird time. They were trying to shift up what Bond was. Um, I thought as an actor, and Timothy Dalton, once again, just like Pierce Brosnan, he's a very good actor, but if your material's not great, then oh well. Um, so I felt bad Timothy Dalton only getting two Bond movies, and then Pierce Brosnan gets, what, five? Horrible, horrifying. Daniel Craig has been a breath of fresh air to the franchise and have loved the production elements and, and the production value behind, and the fact that even though those are all individual stories, the way that they've gone back and sort of strung the events together in a way that make you realize that not quite to the level of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they were stringing together some elements so that way it can play out as though this one character iteration, the Daniel Craig version of Bond, everything that he experienced there are callbacks or flashbacks to, especially as we get further into the series. And this one supposedly will will put a capstone into everything that started even more so than what Spectre was trying to do. So, um, But Skyfall, to me, is still the best Daniel Craig Bond flick, followed by Casino Royale. Um, I would have to say Spectre would then be third. No, no, sorry. Quantum of Solace third, Spectre fourth. No Time to Die. I don't know where to put it yet. And I won't know how to re-rank these movies until I get a chance to get to the theater and see that one. 770-386-1450. Again, if you want to be part of the program, the lines are open. You certainly can join in if you've got a particular thing to say about Bond or anything else we've talked about here today. I can tell you after the bottom of the hour break, we've got a GNN update coming your way. And uh, we will get to another trailer that dropped in the last uh, week and a half since I was last here. I don't know if BK played it last week, and, and I, maybe he was planning to and didn't get a chance because I know his show was cut short with, with all the gremlins in the machine. But um, <clears throat> Marvel Studios put out the Hawkeye official trailer, and not since Die Hard have I been this excited about a Christmas-themed action movie uh, a christmas film and this is obviously going to be a series on disney plus that'll come out once a week and i love the fact that they're starting it pretty much as the holiday season really gets into full gear at the end of november right after thanksgiving you're going to be able to sit back relax and every week watch the next installment as we make our way through to the holidays of marvel studios hawkeye 
I've got the official Disney Plus trailer of it coming up, and we'll dive into that. Can we also have coming up after the bottom of the hour? We always try to do on this day in history. I don't have nearly the resources that BK does, but you know what? Got to make sure that I don't do everything to such a degree that makes you not want him to come back. We want BK back, and so we got to make sure that he comes back and he does the, the does the things that he does so much better than I do with his research and his knowledge of what's gone in the past on how some of this all ties together. The walking IMDb, uh, human version of IMDb. Uh, it's always I sometimes I'm just blown away by just how much. BK has not just seen and read about uh, TV shows and movies and comic books and things like that, but that just how how well he can interlink that database in his mind and be able to pull up, hey, while we're talking this, did you know that this person was also in this and starred this and it was an offshoot of that? And I just, sometimes you'll see me, uh, well, you don't see me, but you'll just hear long passages of BK talking. That's because I'm sitting there with my jaw open going, oh, what? I knows everything about TV and movies. So my pleasure to be able to sit in behind the microphone while he's on vacation and looking forward to his return. We'll be up to full strength next week here on your uh, dose of nostalgic geekiness BK on the air stick around we've got more as we uh, begin I can't believe this we're on the wind down now of BK on the air you are about to witness the most amazing man-made jewelry ever created the original multicolor mood ring this is the ring that senses your deepest feelings scientifically developed the incredible chromostone senses thermal changes deep within your body reflects all your mood changes in a fascinating kaleidoscope of color, responding to your deepest secrets, your most hidden emotions. The beautifully crafted multicolor mood ring reveals your subconscious feelings in a myriad of breathtaking color, from black to brown, yellow, green, to the most desired shade of violet blue. Discover the mysterious powers of the multicolor mood ring in elegant gold or silver tone settings. Dare to wear the original multicolor mood ring with a fascinating chroma stone. Only $5 while supplies last. Time is money. Using time effectively means added profits and improved business efficiency. That's where Westside Communications can help. A Westside beeper can keep you in touch for important calls and messages. All over town in the privacy of your own daily schedule. No itineraries, no more tracking you down. One phone call puts you in touch. A West Side Beeper is a time and space expander. It can work for you today, saving time, improving service. Call West Side Communications now. Tell them Leonard Nimoy gave you the message. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next half hour. okay if you don't understand what he's talking about. He probably doesn't either. It's BK on the air on AM 1450 FM 100.3 and online using the TuneIn radio app. Well, you know what? That's not even true either because BK is not here. I'm filling in for the vacationing BK. He'll be back next week. Let's go ahead and look at some of the things. I know BK is much better at this than I am. I'll say that right now. He is just a phenomenal researcher. I think some of this he just knows already. But we always like to, around this time, look at this week in history, especially uh, on this day, what may have happened on this day that's of note. And in the world of film and television, one big thing happened on this 25th day of September that I know BK would have to talk about for even just a minute. And that is this day, 
September the 25th, 1959, that was 11 years before I was born, 11 years and a couple months, Hammer horror film The Mummy, starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, gets its first release in the UK. Uh, So The Mummy by Hammer Films, uh, all those classic horror movies, um, they just got sort of a breath of fresh air when it came to the Hammer version of the mummy of of, of all of these um when they started making horror movies in in the 50s you know they was all black and white and then all of a sudden you get these color iterations and you do things that you can see blood and things like that that had been considered oh my god that's shocking to an audience i mean today we don't even think twice about it but we have to remember things uh were not always as they are today the mummy that came out in 1985, set in 1895, where British archaeologists find and open the tomb of Egyptian princess Ananka with nefarious consequences. Directed by Terence Fisher, starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, as well as Yvonne Furneaux. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool on this day. If you're looking for a classic as we get ready for the Halloween season, I know as we approach October, a lot of people like to watch more of the scary ghost, ghouls, goblin, monster kind of creepy movies or slasher movies. Well, maybe if you've never seen the Hammer version of The Mummy, it might be a good time for you to uh, to do that just to get caught up. It was nominated for an award from what I remember. Um, in fact, let me pull this up. It was a, a nominee for the Saturn Award for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So, well done well enough to catch the eye of the Saturn Awards. It did not win, but at least was nominated. So, there's a whole line of horror movies, excuse me, Hammer horror movies. You can check out the line. A lot of them with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, uh, both of whom uh, found their way into the Star Wars universe, both uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, and Christopher Lee finding his way also into the Lord of the Rings universe, which is one of my... In fact, Lord of the Rings is my all-time favorite movie. Uh, this week, in uh, speaking of movies that might be just creepy enough, that might be worth uh, checking out and watching, this week in the cinema, 40 years ago, if you've never seen it, it was on this date, September, or this heading into this weekend, September the 27th weekend, Mommy Dearest was the number one movie at the box office, taking in uh, $4.6 million. No! Raiders of the Lost Ark pretty much as a uh, had was uh, out since uh, let's see Raiders came out in June. It took June the 14th, then Superman 2 took over for a few weeks, then Raiders came back, Tarzan the Ape Man had a week, then the reissue of Empire Strikes Back had a weekend, and then Raiders owned the month of August and the first week of September. Arthur took the uh, next week of September, Continental Divide, the third week of September, and then Mommy Dearest. Um, is, uh, Mommy Dearest is a 1981 American biographical drama film director uh, directed by Frank, Pe- uh, Frank Perry. The film depicts Christina Crawford's adoptive mother, actress Joan Crawford, as an abusive and manipulative mother who hurt her adopted children, starring Faye Dunaway, Mara Hubble, and Diana Scarwood. The film was adapted for the screen by Robert Getchell, uh, Tracy Hotchner, Frank Perry, and Frank Yablins from Christina's 1978 autobiography of the same name, Mommy 
Dearest. The film was a commercial success, grossing over $19 million in North America from a $10 million budget. Despite receiving mostly negative reviews from critics, the film's bizarre script and highly charged acting, particularly Dunaways, have brought a cult following to the film as an unintentional comedy. It was nominated for nine Razzies at the second Golden Raspberry Awards and won five, including Worst Picture. Hmm, interesting. So there you are, Mommy Dearest in the cinema this week. Uh, let's do this. I've still got... Yeah, I've got time. I'll do it. I'll play it now, and then we can chat more about it. But the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is on the big and little screen. As we know, there's been several offerings from uh, WandaVision to the uh, the the, the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Oh, is it? Uh, the name, of course. We go right out of my head the way it's supposed to be said. Uh, we had Loki. We've had What If? But then this dropped. This is the first Christmas we've had together in years. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorized the city's underworld is back. The past is caught up with me. Should we be worried? No, no, it's nothing. I'll be home for Christmas. I promise. It's the most wonderful time. When I wore this suit, I made a whole lot of enemies. You're a Hawkeye. Who the hell are you? Some people have actually called me the world's greatest archer. Goodness gracious, the best tagline in that is the best presents come with a bow. <laughs> and of course, Hawkeye, if you don't know the character, is a very accurate uh, archer, but he is also uh, took on a different character role. If you remember watching um, the uh, Infinity War series, Infinity War and then Endgame, where he became a very dark and very tortured individual. And the whole premise of the show, it looks like somebody is trying to dress up as the character he played when he wasn't officially Hawkeye. And uh, looks uh, looks really, really good because it has just that right level of Marvel humor to keep everything moving along, keeping it upbeat, keeping it energetic without sacrificing the drama, the acting, or the story. Marvel has seemed to figure that, hey, they've got the writers, they've got that formula figured out, 
And it just makes all of those iterations of all the movies and even on the small screen work so, so well. And I, it, it popped back into my head. It is uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not Captain America and the Winter Soldier. That's a, that's a different thing. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I've watched all of the small screen stuff so far. And I cannot wait for Hawkeye to open up in at the end of November. And it will be much like all the other Disney Plus series, a weekly installment. And it's going to go through to the holiday season just in time for Christmas. This may be become the tradition, much like Die Hard is my all-time favorite Christmas movie. Well, maybe uh, this uh, Hawkeye series will be my all-time favorite series to rewatch. It's BK on the air. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Jarvis, a virtual artificial intelligence, and I'm here to assist you with a variety of tasks as best I can, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, importing all preferences from home interface. Systems are now fully operational. No breakfast, Mom. My turn to feed the class turtle. Mmm, cinnamon donuts. The traffic's all tied up. I'll get coffee later. Do I smell crumb cakes? Funny how people with no time for breakfast often find time when breakfast means hostess. Like hostess crumb cakes, fresh from the hostess breakfast bake shop in your store. May I have my donut now? Sure, the turtle can wait. <laughs> Keep them home for breakfast with hostess crumb cakes and donuts. You know, the gill straps aren't really moving. They're being robbed. These crooks know the gill straps are out of town, so they're trying to move the gill straps permanently. They figure they look like movers, they act like movers, so who's gonna know? The Joneses. They know. Dad, aren't the gill straps in Toledo? I think they're being robbed. Should we call the police? Call the police. See, the Joneses know if they don't tell the cops now, the gill straps will have to tell them later. Uh, hello, this is Harry. Meanwhile, these fellas are eating lunch oh, about a block away. Car 21. Hey, hot pastrami. That looks very good. 35 in progress. 10 for. How about that? Know what it takes to stop a crime? Your help and your neighbors. Find out more. Write the box 6600 Rockville, Maryland and help uh, take a bite out of crime. believe how fast the time flies but you know if you're having a good time i guess that's what it means time flies when you are having fun uh you know one of the things that we do talk about from time to time is what if but not the series what if what if marvel decides to make a new movie or what new movies might be coming or what new characters we, we play the what if game or the what do we think is going to happen next well, one of the most highly anticipated movies of Marvel's MCU Phase 4 is going to be Fantastic Four. Fox wasted its uh, Fox wasted its chance to successfully reboot the film a few years before Disney acquired Fox Studios, bringing the rights back under Marvel's control. Kevin Feige, uh, Feige, 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 Kevin Feige, Feige. Conf- <laughs> you think I would know how to pronounce the guy's name by now? 
Kevin Feige uh, confirmed in uh, late July of 2019 that Fantastic Four projects are in the works, but he didn't reveal any details at the time. More than a year later, in mid-December of 2020, Feige gave fans the first official Fantastic Four detail. He announced that John Watts will helm the project without disclosing other information about the movie. Watts is the director of the MCU's Spider-Man movies with No Way Home set, well, in this case, No Way Home to set in the theaters in just a few months. The wait for Fantastic Four news has been worth it, however. we got plenty of great Marvel stories to come uh, to pass the time, and now a leaker claims that Marvel may, might soon answer our biggest Fantastic Four question, a release date. Looks like we know so far that the complete MCU Phase 4 schedule through 2023, so the Fantastic Four movie can't hit theaters sooner than then, right? More recently, Disney announced Marvel's release schedule through 2024, revealing new release dates for unannounced Marvel projects. As it stands now, we might get five MCU movies in 2023 and four more in 2024. Two of the 2023 dates are already taken, with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, scheduled for February 17th and May 5th, respectively. This leaves us with no fewer than seven Marvel release dates that are unaccounted for. One of them's bound to be the Fantastic Four franchise we've wanted to see done correctly. And the most recent rumor suggests the film might actually premiere July 28th, 2023. But the Fantastic Four release date isn't even the biggest question. Who will play the Fantastic Four? That's usually what people want to know beyond a release date. In December, Figi only revealed the Fantastic Four director, saying nothing about the film's cast members. For months, fans have urged Marvel to consider husband and wife John Kransky and Emily Blunt to play Reed Richards and Sue Storm. We've yet to find out whether Marvel had any success negotiating with the pair or whether Marvel even wanted them to begin with. We certainly saw plenty of denials from the two actors on their Twitter accounts. Well... A leaker familiar with Marvel's plans posted an update on Twitter claiming that Marvel might soon reveal the Fantastic Forecast. The person goes by the name Main Middleman on Twitter, where they regularly post updates about unreleased Marvel projects. Here's what they had to say about Fantastic Four. Well, if I'm right, by the end of this year, we will know more about Fantastic Four not later than the middle of next year. Even if they say no, we're close to finding out the names. Any solid info about it, I will update you on. Marvel will release Fantastic Four in theaters in mid-2023 mid at the earliest. That's assuming it sticks to whatever release plans it might have, and the pandemic doesn't ruin the current shooting schedule. That means Fantastic Four production has to start at some point next year, so the film can make its release date. As a result, Marvel will surely want to announce the big names joining the Avengers as the Fantastic Four. Given that we're nearing 2022, the leaker's prediction makes a lot of sense, but we'll have to wait and see just a few more months as to what may happen with the Fantastic Four. I got other news for you. Uh, I'm a big fan of this franchise. Um, I know it's not necessarily as, as maybe cohesive as the original Harry Potter series, but it is from the mind 
of J.K. Rowling. And the fact that uh, the two movies may not have done as much critically in the box office or being thought of as charmingly as the Harry Potter series, the Fantastic Beasts movies, the first two have been, in my mind, fantastic. I have thoroughly enjoyed And they get better and better with rewatching. We've watched them back-to-back multiple times. Every time we go through a Harry Potter marathon, we, we will move on to watch uh, the... Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and The Legend of Grindenwald. Um, Well, check this out. This is from MuggleNet, the website, MuggleNet.com. Fantastic Beasts has a name for its third initial uh, iteration to the series. Now, J.K. Rowling said it's in her mind, it's five stories that she's telling. These are stories in the Harry Potter universe well before Harry Potter, <clears throat> but when Dumbledore was still a young and upcoming wizard. I say young, young man, not uh, a kid. The third movie is actually going to be called Fantastic Beasts. The Secrets of Dumbledore, and it's set to hit theaters April the 15th of 2022. So we have less than a year to wait for the third movie to come out. And the story goes, Wands at the Ready, the title of the third Fantastic Beasts movie has been revealed along with a release date that is much earlier than fans had expected. Following on from the climactic end at the second end of the second movie, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore will be released in theaters on April the 15th of 2022. The release date had previously been pushed back from November 12th of 2021 to July of 2022, but then apparently has been moved back up a little bit into 2022. The plot of the movie is still very much under wraps, although Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Gellert Grind- uh, Grindenwald will be, uh, who has been previously played by uh, Johnny Depp, but because of his problems in court with potential domestic abuse, there, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is set to re- uh, to play the character of Grindenwald. Uh, let's see. There will be an epic battle scene between Grindelwald and Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne. Who, by the way, Eddie Redmayne just a brilliant job playing the title character of Newt Scamander. Just just fantastic. Other characters that are known to be returning for the third installment are Tina and Queenie Goldstein, played by Catherine Waterston and Allison Sudol, and fan favorite Jacob Kowalski, played by Dan Fogler, and, of course, Albus Dumbledore, played by Jude Law. And returning to the cast, Ezra Miller as Credence. Uh, we've got Claudia Kim as Nagini, and Callum Turner as Theseus Scamander. Jessica Williams will play Eulalie Hicks. And Poppy Corby Teuch uh, will be playing Vinda Rosier. We also know some of the new actors and characters that will be making an appearance. Uh, Oliver Masucci had announced that he would be joining the cast as head of the International Confederation of Wizards and that Richard Coyle, known for his roles in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, will be joining the cast in an as yet unnamed role. While the title of the movie is uh, the only clue of the plot so far, it will not stop fans from speculating. What are the secrets of Dumbledore? Will we have a resolution for the cliffhanger at the end of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald? There are only 206 days left to find out. Ooh, some really, really good stuff there. I can't wait to uh, to find out more. I've enjoyed those movies. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Much like The Lord of the Rings is, is completely different. I don't even put... 
Harry Potter in the same world as Lord of the Rings. I think of them as two separate things. And because of that, I can like both individually, but for completely different reasons. I do like that the books grow up with Harry and they do become more adult and maybe even more rooted in the kinds of things that always plague us as human beings, the politics, the playing games, the duplicity, what what people will do to maintain power, gain power, keep power. There is a lot that goes on, <clears throat> probably starting with book four and making its way, I mean, book five and making its way forward. Um, and same thing with movie five. Uh, I think that they just get more entrenched in the things that make them a more of an adult, more of a mature story. But they're still very, very fun. They're great for the kids. And you know what? If you've got a kid that's 11 or 12 years old that's never seen the Harry Potter movies, you could actually watch them one, one a year and your child will be the same age as the actor, or supposedly as the character, not the actor. The actor did age faster than they could put the movies out. But um, you could actually have uh, your kid uh, the same age that Harry's supposed to be in each of those iterations. Or you could just say, let's go ahead and marathon it. Um, I know it's something my wife and I love doing. Uh, at least once a year, we will just start, uh, especially on a long weekend or if we get snowed in or you just have nothing going on or it's just dreary and yucky. We'll just start early one day. We'll start with the first Harry Potter and we'll work our way all the way through all eight films because the seventh story was broken into two movies, The Deathly Hallows, part one and two. And then we'll move straight on into Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And, uh... We usually have this tradition of when a movie is getting ready to come out in that series, we will have that marathon just beforehand. So before April 15 of 2022, chances are the wife and I will sit back and watch uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, followed by The Crimes of Grindelwald. So we're all set for The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, make sure I've got that full title correct. Yeah, but it's The, the Secrets of Dumbledore. April the 15th, 2022. Can't believe that we are getting ready for the very last few seconds here of BK on the Air. Folks, it has been such a pleasure to be with you here today, bringing you some nostalgic news, some cool news, some upcoming film stuff, my discussion on all the things from James Bond to Hawkeye to, well, Fantastic Beasts and everything in between. Everything back to normal next week. BK will be in the captain's chair. I'll be over there playing the sidekick. You guys, don't forget, if you missed out on any parts, check out later in the week for the escape pod. Uh, we'll get that from BK when he comes back from vacay. Take care, everybody. That message. Some people never learn. But Professor Irwin certainly learned something today. He was so worried about looking good in front of others, he presented a car to the public that he knew was dangerous. Right, and he learned the most important lesson of all. It's not what other people think about us that's important. What's important is doing what is right. I learned a lot too, Cape Crusaders. Next time Robin cooks supper, I'm eating out.